Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, Majestic 12 and wet weather. That's correct, Majestic 12 and wet weather. Now, I was... uh, cruising around YouTube the other day, and I came across this video by Quest. They put out a lot of UFO stuff. It's kind of fun to watch these little six, seven, eight minute long videos. And this one was uh, about the notion that the deep state group, commonly referred to as Majestic 12, actually had Kennedy killed because he was planning on uh, disclosing the truth about UFOs. I'm not really sure where I fall on this, but I guess at this point I can believe about anything. And I got to digging around a little bit, and I found an article by Nick Redfern. Nick Redford does a lot of work, and I like a lot of his work. I like his writing style. There's a lot of research. I don't know what the guy does besides write about UFO and paranormal stuff, and he puts a lot of stuff out there. It's very useful. So I went ahead, I should say off the start, I did link both these articles on the website, ufowarning.com. And I've had uh, complaints. I'll just say, if you're using uh, Mozilla, it seems like you might have a little bit of trouble getting on the website. I, I don't know. They they just want to they just want to wreck me sometimes. I think uh, on the Android it seems to work fine, and on the Google Chrome it seems to work fine. So if you're trying to watch or look at the the website from your home computer, uh, you might try the the uh, Chrome browser. Otherwise, it could take a while loading with the with the Mozilla. Anyway, I've got this article here, and it's titled, The Majestic 12 Documents, How the Story of Dead Aliens and Crashed UFOs Began. And this came out October 11, 2020. It says, Most people who have an interest in UFOs will know how the controversial Majestic 12 documents surfaced. December 11, 1984, was a date destined to become infamous in the field of ufology. On that date, a man named Jamie Shandera, who was a television producer at the time, received in the mail a thick manila envelope. It was postmarked Albuquerque, New Mexico, and lacked a return address. At the time, Shandera was working closely with Bill Moore, a writer who had spent a lot of time trying to uncover the true story of the Roswell UFO crash of July 1947. Greg Bishop says in his 2005 book, Project Beta, two more envelopes were inside, each enclosed within the next, like Russian dolls. Bishop added, from the third one, a 35mm roll of film rolled out of a blank canister. When developed, the black and white film revealed two sequences of eight pictures each. Pictures of something that would pass into history is a notorious is a notorious MJ-12 document on presidential briefing papers. Those papers appeared to be nothing less than decades-old, highly classified papers on a top-secret program of the U.S. government. Those same papers revealed revolved around crashed saucers, dead aliens, autopsies of extraterrestrial creatures, and a secret agency think tank known as Majestic 12. Now, I'll just interject here. You know, we've seen from uh, the recent... Uh, Senate subcommittee hearings on intelligence that uh, the, the deep state just just loves 
to put together task force and think tanks and all kinds of little uh, burgers like that that can run around and do things without any oversight. So the notion that a think tank or task force or, or whatever you want to call it, called Majestic 12, could exist, I, I, I mean, I can believe that. It, it just it seems historically accurate, or at least plausible. For the next few years, Moore and Shandera dug deep into the Majestic 12 papers, and in 1987 they went public with the papers. Now this part I do have a little bit of a problem with. Of course, this is back in the 80s, before the Internet. And I guess I can give them the benefit of the doubt here because we're so used today at having information travel at the speed of light. I mean, literally, something like this could have been posted online in 10 minutes after somebody received it. And we have, uh, at least among the UFO general community, I don't know about the celebrities, but about among normal people, we seem to have this uh, uh, culture of sharing culture of uh, putting stuff out there even if it's even if it's questionable people like to put it up and we can all look at it this is back in the late 80s this would have been the second term of uh, president ronald reagan and you know you didn't have the internet and you didn't have cell phones and you didn't have a lot of things Technolo- technologically te- technologically we were a long ways past where we are today most rural areas didn't have many four lane highways so uh, the notion that you would get something like this and hang on to it for two or three years or longer, I, I can accept that. It says, um, and in 1987, they went public with the papers. The controversy began, and more than 30 years later, those documents are still talked about. But here's the most important question of all. What was it that led Shandera Moore to receive that role of film? To answer that important question, we have to go back a few years earlier. That's when it all really started. And that says in September 1980, while promoting his newly published book with Charles Berlitz, The Roswell Incident, Moore took part in a number of radio-based interviews around the United States. At the end of one such interview, a secretary told Moore there was someone on the line who wanted to speak privately with Moore. The voice at the other end belonged to a colonel who was private, who was who was privately with Moore. The voice at the other end belonged to a colonel who was, excuse me, stationed at Offutt Air Force Base, which is located in Sarpy County, Nebraska. The man said to Moore, we think you're the only one we've heard that seems to know what he's talking about. The colonel desired a meeting, and soon, <clears throat> and soon too, Moore scribbled down the colonel's number, promising to get back in touch as soon as possible. The proactive colonel didn't wait for Moore to reach him. However, instead he contacted Moore for a second time. Once again, the man the man trotted out those same 16 words. We think you're the only one we've heard that seems to know what he's talking about. It's interesting. By now, Moore was more than intrigued. A meeting was quickly arranged. The pair was to rendezvous in, Albu- in an Albuquerque restaurant, one which was on Moore's journey home, for good food and hopefully enlightening conversation. The mysterious informant was described by Moore as being elderly and gaunt. Greg Bishop said the man had a hint of an Eastern European accent. From that day on, the wizened old man would become known to Moore as the Falcon. Greg Bishop says that Moore's new acquaintance told him that he represented a group of intelligence agents in the U.S. government who were tired of the secrecy surrounding the UFO subject and were eager to release more accurate information to the public. You know, that reminds me a lot of what's 
the line that's being given today by Tom DeLong's group of former uh, DOD and intelligence employees, uh, the two of the Stars Academy. We've got uh, Chris Mellon, we've got Louis Elizondo, uh, multiple different, uh, that was it Eric Davis, multiple different people who have worked as employees and consultants for the U.S. government who claim, even Senator ex-Senator Harry Reid, who claim to have uh, knowledge about UFOs and say that, you know, certain things they can't talk about, but they want disclosure. The difference is here in 1980, uh, it was just a bunch of people that wanted disclosure, and today in 2020, 40 years later, uh, the group that wants disclosure also seems to want money because they're all getting paid. And that's that seems to be the difference. The difference, the difference between the Majestic 12 and the TSA guys, to me, really, seems to be about the money. That, that's what it appears like. They formed a corporation for profit. Well, I don't know if they consider it for profit, but it's certainly, it's certainly creating income. Now it goes on and says, um, they wanted to do this through a reputable researcher. Wow. Isn't that weird? So these, these guys, they, they contacted a reputable researcher, somebody who had published a book about Roswell, which was kind of a big deal back in 1980. Today's deep state employees that want disclosure find a 40-year-old ex-rock star. Can you see how times have changed? And you wonder why I get so jaded about some of this stuff. It says, They wanted to do this through a reputable researcher. He would be given small bites of the story over time and could do with it as he wished. Would more, <clears throat> would more be interested in participating in such a program? Yes, more was interested, very much so, but there was the matter of a certain unholy alliance that more knew he would have to enter into. Like it or not, he knew that if he didn't play the game, then his chance of getting to the heart of what Uncle Sam knew of UFOs and aliens dead, alive, or even both, would irreversibly slip out of his grip. So Moore agreed to do whatever he, whatever had to be done. Everything soon took off. In the early 1980s, Moore found himself periodically on the receiving end of instructions to travel to certain locations around the United States where he would meet with anonymous insider-type characters, including, yet again, the Falcon. Okay, here's a problem with this. You know, we know that there's been a lot of Subterfuge, I guess you would be maybe, maybe be the word. There's been a lot of shenanigans as far as uh, different uh, intelligence departments injecting um, players into the UFO community. Um, it, it's well documented. It's not a conspiracy theory. I mean, they've hired they've hired employees or contract employees to go around to UFO um, get-togethers. Uh, meet with certain people, and there was the one case, I can't think of the guy's name, I think he ended up, he ended up dead, I think, I think he might have committed suicide, they were feeding him all kinds of false information, it was just like a big game to him, and so I start to get a little bit concerned when you have these shadow characters uh, telling people to meet them at this place or that place, that's something I would never do, by the way, I would never ever engage in that. Because you don't know if you're being set up. It could be anything from just just some nutcase that wants to do a person harm to some sort of sting where the next thing you know you're being charged with espionage. 
So I would never, ever uh, be running around meeting people who claim to be deep state employees uh, getting disclosure about UFOs. I suppose it'd be something different to meet somebody to have a visit with who maybe had had a UFO encounter or felt like they'd been abducted or something like that. But to have secret meetings with various people who claim to have had top secret UFO knowledge, um, I'd never do that. It says, everything soon took off in the early 80s. Moore found himself periodically on the receiving end of instructions to travel to certain locations around the United States where he would meet with anonymous insider characters. And it says, on each occasion, seemingly high-classified material on UFOs was handed over to Moore. This is another thing I would never do. That is knowingly accept classified material. This is the sort of thing you can go to jail for. And this is what this is what really kind of gets caught in my gizzard with DeLong's group. I mean, they come into they come into possession of these tapes, the the famous UFO uh, Navy fighter pilot tapes that had been given to the New York Times, and then Mellon says that he received a tape from some anonymous person in the parking lot of the Pentagon. And then I think he says that he gave that to the New York Times. I don't know. The whole thing, none of it makes sense. And there's still a question about whether or not this stuff was classified. First they say they declassified it. Well, how do you declassify something that's not classified? So when you get into these situations where you have anonymous people giving you material that may or may not be classified, to me, as somebody who's interested in the subject of UFOs, um, that's that's really a, a super dangerous and not very smart thing to do. He says on each occasion, seemingly high, highly classified material on UFOs was handed over to Moore, always in a Manila envelope and in various widespread places. Those locations included the motel room in upstate New York and a certain building in the heart of Los Angeles, California. On one occasion, in 1983, a friend of Moore. Nick Magnuson picked up a collection of documents from Moore at Seattle, Washington's SeaTac International Airport. The handover was made by a short, elderly, balding man who gave to Mag- Magnuson a newspaper that contained, hidden within its pages, one of those priceless manila envelopes. The collective documentation referred to such enigmas as Project Aquarius, MJ-12, an alternative term for the Majestic 12, communication with aliens, even to decisions taken by elite figures in the domain of intelligence gathering to keep the White House firmly out of the ufological loop, a secret that was so astounding that not even the President of the United States could be told the truth. Possibly, yes. Well, that I can absolutely believe, that long-term deep state employees who have been employees of the intelligence community for 30, 40 years would keep the President out of the loop. Yeah, I can believe that. Look, what's hap- look at what's happened with this COVID nonsense with a, with Fauci. 40, what, 47, 48 years in, in the same job and nobody can seem to fire him. Turned our country upside down over a lie. So yes, I'm, I think there's probably a lot of things the president doesn't know. We can actually see that happening right now. For more, there were very little doubts. The paper There was very little doubt the papers were, papers amounted to absolute dynamite. If they were true, that is. That is the biggest issue of all. Were they genuine or was more being used by people in the intelligence community? That's a a good possibility. Manipulative characters who were trying to push more away from his significant Roswell research and and further down a pathway filled with questionable documents upon questionable document. The questions weren't valid ones. It would not be long at all before James 
uh, Jamie Shandera would receive the Majestic 12 documents that caused so much controversy and for so many years. Now, that brings us to the next uh, article that I found. So that's kind of a background on uh, the Majestic 12 and how the notion of the Majestic 12 or MJ-12 came to be, that these that there was these uh, this deep state group that that uh, held the secrets, held the keys to the kingdom, knew what was happening with the UFO phenomena, and here they are reaching out to these UFO investigators trying to uh, let them know what's going on. Very, very similar narrative to what we have today going on with uh, the To the Academy of the Stars. And the difference, I guess the difference being just how, how big the notions got. But of course in 1980 you didn't have the History Channel. In 1980 you didn't have you didn't have the internet. So the way the material is being distributed today is, is at a much broader scale, a much, a much quicker scale. Like I said, information today travels at the speed of light. Now this article here is called An MJ-12 Directive to Kill JFK. As I said, the topic today was about MJ-12 and wet weather. Well, this is where we get into the wet weather, wet weather being a euphemism for uh, the act of murdering someone. Now, there's a picture here. This comes from ufoconspiracy.com. It's also linked at the website, ufowarning.com. It has a picture here of President Kennedy at Cape Canaveral, 1963, not long before he was shot. It says, President John F. Kennedy was killed for his attempts to expose the reality of the alien presence and share it with the Russian Cold War adversaries. Hunt's attorney, Watergate lawyer and author Douglas K.D.E. Howard Hunt, CIA officer and one of the Nixon administration's plumbers. Of course, Howard Hunt was a very well-known uh, deep state player back in the day. You can do, you can, you know, just do a simple uh, search on him, and you'll find all kinds of interesting things about him. It says, uh, "Why do you think JFK was assassinated? It was because it was because JFK wanted to give away our greatest secret to the Soviet Union. What is the greatest secret?" asked Katie. To which Hunt replied. The alien presence, an MJ-12 directive to kill JFK, the most direct, the most dramatic directive, likely drafted by Duels, director of CIA under JFK, and apparently approved by six other MJ-12 members, was cryptic assassination directive in full. This states, and that says, see last memo. Okay. I want to. I would. I just want to put something out here very quickly. Now, the Duels brothers were a couple of really powerful guys that controlled the CIA. They hated Kennedy, absolutely hated him. This is pretty well known. But Kennedy, much like Trump, seems to be one of these guys who had a real positive attitude all the time. You know, he's he's looking he's looking at the good side of everything, and he doesn't realize he's in a snake pit. And this, of course, the narrative is the story is that he was really desperately wanted to get us out of Vietnam. And they wanted us in Vietnam. Now, they could have claimed that it was for, you know, completely pristine reasons. They wanted to free the Vietnamese people. I don't know, man. You're dropping napalm on villages. Do you really care that much about people? I think it was about the money. It's just like today in the Middle East. We have all these players. And for whatever reason, Trump has left these players in place. And they hate him. He says he wants to bring the troops home from Syria. And they just laugh in his face. This is the same dynamic that Kennedy had set up. He didn't seem to have um, 
He didn't seem to have enough... I don't know. How do you say it? He didn't seem like he felt able to fire these dozens and probably hundreds of people who hated him. And Trump has been the same way. He had a show that was based on two words, you're fired, but they seem to be two words he can't utter. And you see this through a long line of, of U.S. presidents. You know, there's a saying that there's a saying that authority is given, but power is taken. And we see this happen over and over again with our, our United States presidents, whether it was Jimmy Carter, Carter meekly asking George Bush, can I see the UFO records, George? Please, please, please. And George saying, no, those are on a need-to-know basis and you don't need to know. That's the quote. Even Reagan, he wrote about it, but a lot of people think he was given a, a cold dose after the assassination of Tampa Blood. He seems like he just kind of faded out after that. And the same thing with, with, with Kennedy and Trump here. They have, they have been surrounded by deep state players who hate them, who want them dead. They're, they were the, Kennedy was the president. Trump, well, you know, now we don't know. But both of them have had the authority to fire these people. But neither seem to want to exercise the power. This goes clear back to Abraham Lincoln, where he, had, he was surrounded by deep state players that wanted him dead, got him dead. There was all kinds of smuggling going on from the north to the south during the Civil War. It doesn't seem like he was... I mean, he got rid of a lot of people, but it seems like he still wasn't really able to effectively root out the deep state. We just see this happening time after time after time. So the notion that, you know, when people talk about disclosure, is you and I, being honest people, think, well, if they disclose what they know, that just means we all get to know about it. But these deep state actors like this Hunt fellow here, they didn't see it that way. In their mind, as soon as disclosure happens, that's not disclosing it to the U.S., that's disclosing it to the Russians or the Chinese or whoever, because now they're going to know about it. You can kind of see this obsession with the Russians here going on during the Kennedy administration, just like today. So, to them, we can never have disclosure, because if the government told you and I the truth about the UFO situation, then that means that they would have to tell Vladimir Putin about it, the Russians about it. And before we tell the Russians how to tie their shoe, we're going to go kill some people. You see, this that's their level of secrecy. They have to protect us from the Russians. So in order to protect us from the Russians, they can't tell us about the UFOs, because if they do, then the Russians will know. Do you see their logic there? This is why you're never, ever, ever going to get disclosure from the government or the deep state. This is why you can't trust for-profit companies that put these amazing little Tic Tac UFO videos out on YouTube. Those guys are not going to give you disclosure. They're going to give you slick little 20-minute videos to watch on the History Channel. They're going to talk a lot. They're going to have goofy-looking hairdos and lots of tattoos. But they're never, ever, ever giving you disclosure. I look at these deep state employees as, as, like, a, as, like, a, as like a real tough gang. Blood in, blood out. These guys swear security oaths. Much as I like Nick Pope. 
they swear not to talk about things, and that oath lasts their whole life. Blood in, blood out. They're never going to give you disclosure as much as they might want to. Not going to happen. Now, this article goes on and says, An MJ directive to kill JFK. The most dramatic directive likely drafted by Duels, director of CIA under JFK, and apparently approved by six other MJ-12 members, was a cryptic assassination directive. In full, this states, see the last memo, and then you have the memo, draft directive regarding project environment. When conditions become non-conducive for growth in our environment, and Washington cannot be influenced any further, the weather is lacking any precipitation, it should be wet. The term, it should be wet, is a coded command to kill someone. And then it has your credit, Dr. Bob Woodward, JFK with his CIA directors, Duels and McCone in 1962. And then it says Angleton and MJ-12, counterintelligence to connections to the U.S. assassination. It has some more. Uh, and it goes on down. It says the nine-page burned memo stamped top secret MJ-12 is named because it was snatched from a fire for being destroyed, from being destroyed, which is why it is discolored and disintegrating. Unlike many of the Majestic 12 documents, this one is in an original carbon with an eagle watermark characteristic of government work, but so far, forensic laboratories have been unable to trace it. The memo is from the Director of Central Intelligence to MJ-12 in reference to the Project Majestic and Jehovah Project. Now that's interesting that we use Hebrew uh, word for God, Jehovah. I think that the Hebrews pronounced it Yahweh or Jehovah. It was it was a what like a consonant. The, the letters were all consonants because God's name was too holy to be um, spoken. But they but they but they decided to use this. Uh, Old biblical term, Old Testament biblical name for God, Jehovah Project, Ivaru Project, Parasite, and Parphalon. Although no date is given, it is its content directly suggests the month of September. The year is estimated to be in the early 1960s and is still under investigation. Now, in the in the video uh, the Quest put out, uh, they talk about this document, and they have one expert on there. He says, well, the paper looks to me like it's the correct date, and it's the correct type of paper that the U.S. government would use for memos at, at, at that time. And so that's just a thought. The purpose is to have the team review a set of directives and recommended changes that can be agreed on. Uh, the note is a statement, as you know, Lancer, code word for JFK, has made some inquiries regarding our activities, which we cannot allow. There you go. You got a president snooping around, asking questions about UFOs, and what's their response? Well, if he's going to keep it up, we're going to take care of him. You kind of wonder if that's what's going on with Trump. You know, he's he's made some comments. He's kind of off the cuff talked about UFOs and stuff. You know, you don't threaten these guys. If you're going to do something, do it as president. Don't ever tell them you're going to do it or that you're thinking about doing it. But much like Kennedy, power of positive thinking, man. Well, we know where that got him. It goes on, it says, As Lancer, as you know, as you must know, Lancer, code word for JFK, has made some inquiries regarding our activities, which we cannot allow. The eight tabs of directions are fascinating. President's eyes only, need to know, Project Blue Book. And then it goes on down here. 
And it says, uh, projects should be held in readiness to perform spike and house cleaning operations in major population centers in the event conventional methods are not satisfactory. Specialists from MIK Ultra and Artichoke are hereby activated to conduct domestic. And then it says, logically, this paragraph refers to UFO retrieval operations. The authenticity of these directives seem to be beyond question. Original onion skin papers, proper forensically verified red ink of the time period, and rare CI or counterintelligence stamps. Well, it makes you wonder. Basically, the theory here is that you have this deep state uh, group of operatives years after they were out of the loop, say 15, 20 years in the early 80s. They they begin to turn these papers over to this famous UFO um, author, investigator. And what does it point to? Well, they keep sending him papers which become which involve more and more disclosure as they go along. Everything, everything from UFO crashes to uh, alien autopsies to the murder of a sitting U.S. president because that president asked too many questions. Now, when Kennedy, if he did, in fact, pursue disclosure of the UFO phenomena, you know, he may not even have been thinking along the lines of, well, I can't do this because the Russians will then know what's going on. He may not even saw, he may not even have seen that as a threat. I mean, after all, what are the Russians going to do? I mean, so what? We tell them we have a crashed UFO and we have alien bodies. Big deal. How does that affect our national security? Well, it really doesn't. What it does is it puts the deep state actors... Uh, it takes away some of their leverage because now all of the sheep on the planet start to get a little restless. They don't look at the deep state as the ultimate power source. They start to worry about the aliens. They start to recognize the wolves outside and that these people pretending to be our good shepherd are not necessarily such a good shepherd after all. And they can't have that. The deep state cannot be questioned they cannot have their authority question. As Senator Schumer said at the very beginning of all this nonsense where Trump was falsely accused of being a Russian agent, when Trump came out and made some basic revelations that we already know about how the, uh, how the industrial military complex spy operation had been spying on America and spying on him, and Schumer said, well, they've got seven ways to Sunday to get you. That's what our country has become. It's been that way for a long time, apparently since before Kennedy probably collection of deep state operatives running everything. A president, nothing more than a figurehead. And as soon as that president starts to hint toward the idea that he might disclose something, we saw what happened with Trump. We saw him go from a person who was basically in complete denial about UFOs to, to being a person who was interested in it, to being a person who's pretty convinced something's going on, saying he's going to check into it. Well, that's all it takes to get yourself killed in this country, okay, as a president, is to say that I'm going to check into it. Because that's apparently what Kennedy did. He made the mistake of telling a couple people who hated his guts, we're told, that he was going to check into the UFO phenomena. They immediately made plans to kill him, according to these MJ-12 documents. Now, this can all be written off as conspiracy theory, I know. I'm sure the Duels brothers loved JFK with all their heart, even though he was trying to get us out of Vietnam while they were trying to get us into Vietnam. And I'm sure that all of Trump's deep state employees love him dearly with their whole heart. 
And I'm sure the fact that he has recently come up and made comments about comments about getting into this whole UFO thing, I'm sure they didn't feel threatened about that. Maybe when this is all said and done, he'll be happy that he just had the election stolen from him and not his life. Maybe that'll teach him a good lesson. And maybe that'll teach the next president. Well, if the next president's Biden, he'll be too feeble-minded and senile to care about a UFO. But down the road in four years, if they get some young guy in there, another Kennedy, Republican or Democrat, with an open, curious mind that would like to know a little bit more about these aliens, would like to know a little bit more about how has the deep state been communicating with aliens. Think about that. Communicating with aliens. We know they've been trying. They've got everything from SETI set up to doing drug experiments with DMT, for crying out loud, desperately trying to make contact with aliens and interdimensional beings. Desperately trying to contact them. Why? Why? So they can get more control over us. If you think this COVID scamdemic was a pain in the butt, wait till they bring their real lockdown. Wait till they bring their real lockdown because when those things come, if they ever do, when those ships come, whether they're ours, whether they're from some other Milky Way, whether there's some extra-dimensional demonic phenomena, whatever they are, when they show up and the deep state wants you in your house, you will be in your house. And the president, whoever he or she is, will keep their mouth shut and do as exactly as they're told. Or they may be facing some real wet weather. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out. Thank you.